This is iUniverse Radio, brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is your opportunity to hear firsthand from authors about their new books. It's an in-depth discussion about the author's passion about the development of his or her story in their own words. It's an inside look into the characters and the plot and how the story all came together. Here is iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Thoughts for a New Perspective. And the author is Kurt Jordan, and Kurt joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Kurt. Hello there, Steve. Well, quite a goal, a driving force, I imagine, in within you, you have this desire to expand human consciousness. And you talk about initiating a transformative conversation, one thought of, at a time. So your book is literally filled with one thought at a time. Absolutely, and that's what makes it uh, a very easy and what I consider an interesting read. Uh, there's not a storyline and a plot and different things that you find in different books, but it's just uh, approaching one thought at a time, and from that thought, you can see how that resonates within your being. Uh, everybody is uh, vibrating or resonating their own thoughts, and so how that thought resonates with you, it's going to depend on where that person is uh, in their own vibration as far as uh, what their perspectives have been or may choose to have different perspectives upon reading that thought. So it's a guidebook to help us to a new way of thinking. Absolutely. It really seems to be take time out for a moment read a thought it could be one sentence or it could be a short paragraph but and just let it sink in just kind of let your mind wander as it ponders these words yes it's just like um there's many different spices in life as they say variety is the spice of life very many dishes in uh, the culinary field and when you taste a different uh food a different fruit a different spice uh it begins to cause something within you to ex have a different experience. So each thought has the capacity for the person that's reading it to experience a different thought because each person is so different, they may read one thought and that may actually uh, initiate a new thought in their consciousness. And that's what I find very, very uh, refreshing about the book because each person's thoughts is the most private part of a person is their thoughts, not, not whether they have them on their underwear or not. But what's in the thought is what's the most private part of any person. So that's how the book is basically set up towards you have a very intimate conversation with inside themselves based on what they read in the book. Before we have you share some of these thoughts, tell us a little bit about your background and how this book came about. Well, for myself, I've been in uh, self-improvement and spiritual development for most of my life. I'd say at least for the past uh, nearly 30-plus years. And I've always been a thinker. I've always been a person who observes the world. Uh, I found for a while there... I didn't realize that as I observed the world, I was more judging the world than through the observation. And then I got to a place where I realized that the judgment was useless to just observe the world and learn from the world um, and to begin to use these perspectives to give myself a change or transformation within myself. Uh, I'd say also that the Spirit of God has been very uh, instrumental in my life in helping me to see these things from different perspectives uh, the Holy Spirit is very capable of seeing things in multiple perspectives and uh, many, of the, many of the thoughts I feel have been shared through that spirit so are we yeah. both both human and divine 
a matter of fact, we are. Um, the human part is the part of us, obviously, that has the five senses. Uh, we can taste, hear, smell, see, touch, and um, and all of that. And the spiritual part is the invisible part, or the soul, the spiritual part of us. The part that uh, never does die, the part which leaves the physical body uh, if it does uh, succumb to death. And that's the part of us that's eternal. That's the part of us that is always connected to the source or the divine creator. Um, religions oftentimes uh, try to let us know about that. But the average person, I would say, is pretty much in the realm of just the five senses. And uh, they only identify maybe with the human part of themselves. And that's what the media, society, education, uh all focuses on just that human part of ourselves. That's not the greater part. That's not the greater part of who we truly are. So in Thoughts for a New Perspective, uh, in the chapter of uh, God, also in spirit, and I also deal with it in love, uh, I explore different thoughts to begin to uh, help a person explore that deeper part of themselves, at least to examine themselves and see if they are more than what they think they were. Uh, it's an invitation to personal freedom to begin to explore something beyond just the physical. Yeah, that's it. So you can open your book to any place and literally have the opportunity to change your whole perspective on things. Exactly. It's um, the type of book where you're not confined to any one place. You can start in the middle. You can start a quarter into it. You can start at the beginning. You can start at the end and go backwards. Uh, it's open to the person. It's completely free. Uh, free thought offered to start wherever you would like to. And that's a lot of books I don't think really offer that because of the way they're constructed. And that's not saying that that's uh, you know, a bad thing. Each book is different. But this book allows you that uh, option. You can just start at any chapter uh, in the book. And I have it laid out in in seven different chapters. Uh, if you're interested in uh, thoughts about God, different type of thoughts, or if you have questions, questions I've, I've asked, some have answers and some are just questions to see what it causes the person to come up with for themselves to stir up their pure mind. Uh, relationships, we all are in relationships, whether we are married or single or or not. We have a relationship with ourselves, we have a relationship with our environment, and we often have a relationship with each other, um, you know, whether it's a committed relationship or not. We, we're always in a relationship. And then there's wisdom, uh, and then there's love and spirit. And in the last chapter I call Contemporary, which is basically a compilation of of uh, thoughts that may not necessarily fall into the other uh, chapters, but more of a um, wide open area, uh, or more like a miscellaneous place for multitude of different thoughts. Uh, I think a person that would pick up this book would find, you, you will find yourself and you'll find others in this book. And then what you choose to do with those thoughts and those new perspectives, uh, that's what I believe is the most important part because that's where the part comes in where a person is able to begin to make changes in themselves as they approach the world. And that's where you can begin to transform the way you relate to the world and the people in the world and your place in the world. For example, everyone, I opened his book, Kurt's book, uh, in this chapter about God, and here's just a thought to, to allow you to really ponder who you are. It says, if you don't believe in God, God believes in you, so you might as well give up your unbelief. <laughs> I love it. And that's, yeah, that, that's very true, because you have people that, uh, they call themselves atheists, and so these are people who absolutely, you know, to me, they're unable to grasp 
the existence of anything non-physical. And uh, so there is a rejection mode with inside themselves. And so that thought is designed to help a person uh, to dismantle their defense against a creator. Uh, and it allows uh, people, otherwise that may read that, to realize there's no reason to attack such people because the creator believes in, in the people because he's the one that created the people. And there's nothing that humanity has made, whether it's a piece of uh, computer, a home, a car, that a, a creator was not involved because we are co-creators because we come from God. That's why we are the one being on the earth who continues to create masterfully and our ingenuity, our ideas are constantly forming and humanity continues to move forward while the rest of the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom and the other uh, life on earth basically remains about the same. You know, I mean, a robin makes a nest 3,000 years ago the same way it makes the nest today. It's maxed out. But humanity has not yet come to the place where we have come uh, within ourselves to realize that we are more than just human. And what we're experiencing in our creative faculty is that divine part that we got from our creator, which is one with our creator, and uh, is constantly propelling us forward. And only God knows where we're going to end up. We do have some challenges. We do have a lot of problems on earth that we have created. But uh, just as we have created them, we can, I'm going to use this word loosely, we can uncreate them if we have better perspectives and new thoughts to approach these things with. Well, here's another one. I just opened it up to the chapter titled Wisdom. Never miss a chance to build your character. You are the master architect, for there is nothing greater in life to build. Absolutely. And uh, what we find, I also like to say with that, that, uh, you know, we can build a character. Build your character. Don't be a character. And that's <laughs> what we see so much in uh, television today. There is very little character in much of the television entertainment. I realize it's just entertainment. I'm not judging it. Um, but the need to build the character uh, is really not on display very much. I feel it's more of everybody's a character, everything's a big laugh. It's all a big joke. And, uh, you know, I'm all great for humor. I'm a very funny person myself. I find humor in all type of things. But, yeah, I do feel that character is very important to build. Absolutely. Here's a thought under the chapter titled, Love. See how many people you love today by starting with the person in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right, Steve. Um, before we can love others, we have to face the person who's looking back at us. And if we have self-hatred for ourselves, we're not going to have any love for anyone else. We might try to put on a display, but it's not going to hold any water. So, yeah, it's uh, it's very important. There's so many times you look in the mirror, you shave, you put on lipstick or whatever, male, female, whatever people do to make themselves go out into the world. And never even really saw who you were looking at. It's just a quick in and out and never really stop to say good morning or how do you feel this morning or I love you. Uh, and so we're sometimes even disconnected from myself with love. And uh, so what I'm encouraging in Thoughts for a New Perspective is to return to love within yourself and then you'll be able to have love out towards the other 7 billion brothers and sisters we have out here. Big family. So how many thoughts have you shared with us? Thoughts for a new perspective. How many in this book? There are over 800 in this book and thoughts are still downloading into my consciousness, uh, are being uploaded from within my spirit. Uh, but within this writing, there's over 800 different perspectives. And that's more than enough to give a person uh, a new perspective. Yes. 
And the ultimate goal to find peace and contentment in everyday life. Is that a question or comment? Comment. Yes. Just that's yeah. the ultimate goal that you have for everyone. It is because most of us are lacking peace from the inside out. And um, the more at peace we are within ourselves as we view the world, the more peace for vibration we're going to send out into the world whether it's at our workplace, whether it's in the, uh, the grocery store, whether it's with our family, friends, or even around strangers. Uh, we all are emanating a certain energy. We're all emanating, I say, energy, a vibration, a frequency. And sometimes people say, hey, I'm picking up bad vibes from this person. person hasn't said a word. That's really what they're saying is that I feel this person's energy. Uh, or they say, whenever I'm around this person, I really feel good. I don't know what it is about them, but I just feel great. Well, mm -hmm. that person is emanating uh, from their soul or their spirit or their consciousness an energy that is uplifting, and people respond to that, uh, as, and they call it favorable. We've been listening to Kurt Jordan, author of his book, Thoughts for a New Perspective. Kurt is opening our minds to a new way of thinking and literally to find this new perspective on life, especially in this very confusing and stressful world we live in, I know that you will find a thought that will generate more thinking that could lead to peace if you focus on that. That sounds like what you're saying to us. It is. It is, Steve. And it can even open up thoughts and a new perspective that even I haven't thought of because each person is different. Each person, uh, I sort of can relate it to a mountain. Uh, the higher the altitude you go, the greater the view. And uh, if I'm on the north side of the mountain and you're on the south side of the mountain, we can argue all day over the telephone about the view or the perspective that we have. But it's just simply that we're on opposite sides of the same mountain. However, if we both reach the very summit, we will agree that we both were absolutely right. No one was wrong, and we have peace because we have understanding. And uh, that's always been one of the greatest uh, scriptures in the Bible. It says, in all that getting, get understanding. And it's the misunderstanding, how we actually miss the understanding that creates the uh, conflict within ourselves and within our relationships in the world in general. So the higher we come in our consciousness uh, and reach those, those high places, the summit, uh, we'll find that we have more in agreement than we do to disagree with. Because at the highest, we have the best view to the surrounding landscape, and we have something to talk about in common rather than to find out what we don't have in common. Kurt, what's the best way to get your book, Thoughts for a New Perspective? Well, it's available right now on Amazon.com and also from BarnesandNoble.com or it can also be uh, purchased from the uh, publisher iUniverse and of course I have my own copies uh, that I've been selling to individuals uh, that have expressed interest in my writings and so I do have a Facebook page uh, working on that I have a telephone number. If I get a telephone number, that's fine, too. Sure. Yeah, my phone number is 260-348-3694. Kurt Jordan, that's in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'd be glad to hear from you. Uh, or if you brother would uh, choose to go by email, my email address is K-R-T-J-R-D-N at yahoo.com is basically Kurt Jordan just remove all the vowels and that's my email I'll be glad to hear from anyone questions, comments, likes, dislikes uh, I'm open Thank you so much Kurt for joining us on iUniverse Radio Thank you Steve You're listening to iUniverse Radio We'll be back right after these messages 
Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for iUniverse. This is Jay Douglas Barker. A memoir has been written by Dr. Edward A. Nichols, titled Fade to White. And I welcome Dr. Nichols from the New York City area of the United States to the program. Welcome, sir. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Your story is uh, one that is uh, fascinating and interesting to read, but why did you write and uh, write your story or tell your tale and uh, share your history? Well, it began with talking uh, to my daughter. My daughters um, are the product of a mixed marriage between my wife and I, and uh, they were concerned about their race or what racial designation they had. And it it made me think about um, so many things because I was confused about a thing uh, in my past, and I wanted to make um, certain of these historical facts. And so that led me on a, a big search. And it was a search for my father, who left the family when I was eight years old. And he left, that was in the, in the 1940s that your, your dad left yes. the family. Yes. What did you discover that perhaps uh, startled you or maybe even inspired you? Well, what, what inspired me was when I thought about how... Uh, I became, quote, fatherless, end quote. Uh, my father had come back from uh, military service, and uh, he had uh, a medal because his, uh, he was, the ship was sunk in the South Pacific. And he came home, and uh, we had this big celebration in my school in PS 78 in the Bronx. And then uh, shortly after that, the next few days, I heard an argument with uh, my uh, mother, and they were in the bedroom, and I went to find out what was going on, and they had a big, loud argument, and I came in there, and my mother was on the floor mm-hmm. of the bed. And this was a very big moment in my life, and because the next day my father left, and I never saw him again in my life. Did you discover anything about his leaving at least uh, his future life following the, the leaving the family? Did, not at all. Nothing. Not at all. I never hmm. found out, or I didn't find out, until 20 years ago. But I had searched for my father all of my life, in, in many ways, in many forms. And finally, in uh, 1995, um, I found a clue. Oh, my brother and I found a clue to where he could be. Your education, was it all stateside, or did you also have educational experiences in Europe? Yes, I went to medical school in Europe when I was 20 years old. Uh, I first started in Mainz in Germany, but after a year I went to Basel University in Basel, Switzerland. That is a remarkable journey, considering the challenges you must have faced as a young adult and a young child going through the education system. What was the inspiration behind that? Who was your motivating force? Well, uh, I w- when I uh, tried to get into medical school uh, here in the States, I uh, was 18 years old, and uh, being uh, a black American, African-American, I naturally wanted to go or look at Howard University. And I went to Howard University and was a guest of uh, Margaret... Uh, butcher 
who was a professor there, and uh, her daughter, who I knew from school, from Sarah Lawrence, and she told me, you would never get into medical school here because they wouldn't allow you to be uh, so young going to medical school. So I went home a little disappointed, but I spoke to another girlfriend's uh, father who was uh, John Mosley, Dr. John Mosley, at Mount Sinai in radiology. Uh, and he told me, he said, Ed, you, you uh, learned German and French in college. Why don't you go to school in Europe? And I went home and um, asked my mother very quietly. Uh, I said, uh, Dr. Mosley said I should think about going to school in Europe. And my mother said, why not? Hmm. And that was the beginning of my going to school in Europe. There was a, a strong mom who was an encourager oh, in your mother, history. My mother was a rock. She was incredible. She was such a power in my life and raised my brother without my father, much to the um, praise of all the, uh, of the people around us. Everybody extolled her virtues until the day she died. She was, a, she was incredible. Uh, Dr. Nichols, this is your personal story, but... Do you think it will be of interest to a wide audience? Who do you want to I, reach with this? I think that many people, especially uh, in the black and Hispanic community, have similar problems because I have discussed my book with many of my friends and people that I've met in the practice, in my medical practice, and they have similar stories of uh, the son or the daughter not oh, being raised by a single parent, usually the mother and they're wanting to know where their father or who their father was. And this will sh surely give them a, uh, how do you say, impetus to even find out, to even begin the search, because to me it's important to have a whole family. And the underlying message that comes through, what do you think that is? What are they going to find most fascinating about your book and your read? I think that you should uh, be able to go out in the world and discover the world and find out where you can find your niche, find your, the place that you can grow up and thrive. For me, it was growing up in Europe for the years that I was there and how what a wonderful experience it was to get out of the Bronx and then to thrive on, based on that when I came back to the United States. And how long did it take? Have you been writing this for a number of years and just decided to publish it, or uh, what I is your have, story? I have been writing this for the last 20 years. 20 years. Did you have to do a lot of research to find some of the uh, missing clues to your history? Oh, my brother and I uh, uh, searched everywhere, and finally we were lucky that we found in the attic where my uh, mother's personal uh, uh, belongings were uh, a liquid paper that fell out while we were looking, and it, uh, it was the uh, Social Security document of my father. Amazing. And with that, we, uh, we renewed the search uh, and came up with uh, documents and things that led us to the discovery of uh, what happened. In, in Chapter 13, you, you have titled that Reflections. And in looking back, how would you describe your history and your story? Well, the story is of my life, and the life was... Um, living without a father and growing up in search of a father and then finally finding what happened to my father and what happened to others associated with my father that it made me think whether I, it was better that I didn't have a father hmm. and how different my life would have been if my father had stayed with us. Do you think you would have uh, gone into the medical profession had you had a, a traditional family? couldn't say that. I mean, I was driven to be a doctor, as was my brother. But uh, we were just ambitious, um, ambitious. But I don't know how my father would have uh, uh, helped that ambition or uh, helped me uh, realize my dreams. I don't. I have no idea. Sure. I don't think. I don't think that. I don't think that he would have been as receptive as my mother, from what I have learned about him. As a child of uh, or, or, or dressing biracial uh, relationships, 
What do parents do to encourage their children and, 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 and give them the confidence they need to be successful in life? Well, nowadays, I, uh, in the last 20 or 30 years of uh, my experience with it, I think it has been a, uh, a, a very good thing to raise a child biracially, i.e. proud of both cultures, and, uh, and give, him, give him the, uh, the benefits of all the both cultures provide. Absolutely great I, advice. I yes. think it, it makes a stronger individual. I believe that's true. Uh, you, I you, believe in hybrid vigor. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have, uh, because of the discovery of your, your father's past and some of the other things that you reveal in your book, did your family have any reactions to the discoveries? My family was just as astonished as, as I was, as, as my brother and I were. And uh, what, what and who we discovered in our family was even a greater surprise. And it was a surprise for them also. Have other individuals, friends of yours, or our colleagues read your book, your memoir, and had any reaction to it? Oh, they think it was a great book. They think it was something that made them think of, well, they learned a lot about me, which I thought that I expressed in my daily life, but they didn't know. And uh, they uh, found out about me, and even my brother was surprised to read the things that I thought, but I never expressed to him. There's a lot of hidden conversation in families. Uh, you know, I have uh, two older siblings, and I still discover things about them. And oh, yes, that, that's, that's amazing, because if you... Uh, you can live with the person, but you really don't know them until you, unless you ask the right question. And if they're willing to talk about the question and give you an answer. Yes, and as the uh, husband of a wife that I've been married to since college days, I still don't understand her. So I just, I just oh. th throw that aside. <laughs> I still don't know her. <laughs> Uh, and that's been a long marriage so far. Uh, if you were to introduce this book to someone and get them interested, how would you do so? Well, I would like to tell them that uh, this is my memoir. This is my life, and uh, there, is so, there are many facets to it that I think uh, uh, would be interesting to read. I think that um, uh, even those who know me from my practice in New York would be interested to read what I thought of be, uh, being a pediatrician in New York and my thoughts about it. The people who I went to, to medical school with in Switzerland, they enjoyed my thoughts uh, and are commenting on them in the Alumni Association in Basel. Would you underscore or say to them, once you finish this, you may be inspired? I think I inspired at least three other doctors who I went to school with, or who I know went to school in Europe, and they are beginning to write their own memoir. In fact, one of my great uh, friends, uh, Dr. Benny Prim, is, has finished his uh, memoir, and it is published, and we both comment on similar um, things in the book. Uh, Dr. Nichols, where did you practice your medicine, and uh, what was the focus? I practiced medicine, pediatrics, in the Upper West Side, and later in Harlem, and uh, since 1970. And my, I still had to practice, although my daughter, who is now a pediatrician, is uh, gradually taking over the practice in Harlem. Well, congratulations. Now, you focused on, on families and children who perhaps were underserved. Yes. Uh, we were asked by St. Luke's Hospital and Roosevelt Hospital to... Uh, opened a practice in Harlem, and that was 30 years ago. And uh, I have uh, um, continued there. And we tried to mentor whole, uh, many children, and I worked there uh, with also with the uh, Reverend Calvin Buss of the Abyssinian Baptist Church on 138th Street. In fact, I took care of his children and his grandchildren in the last 30 years there. Phenomenal. Thank you for your practice and for a tower of hope that you have established in that community and how you have served those who are in need. This is a great idea, great read, because it's a fascinating observation from the streets of New York, Brooklyn in particular, to a successful medical career. 
The title of the book, again, is Fade to White, a memoir. And the author, Dr. Edward A. Nichols, has joined me from the New York City area. Fifteen chapters, 210 pages or so. Uh, Dr. Nichols, where can my listeners get a copy of your book? They can get a copy of the book online at Amazon and also in iUniverse.com. Have you started a web page or a fan page yet? I have a web page associated with the uh, uh, Facebook, but now I am uh, getting another web page with Yahoo.com. Listeners, you can keep in touch with Dr. Nichols by uh, doing a search under his name, Edward A-N-I-C-H-O-L-S. MD, yes. and the title of the book, Fade to White, a memoir. This is a, a, a fascinating read because of uh, many of us have unusual family histories, and this is a way to perhaps address some of those questions we may have. Thank you for sharing your story. Are you planning to do a sequel to this or write another book? Yes, I'm already, I'm already writing the, the next uh, book. It will be a memoir continued. The story never ends. It doesn't end. Thank you, sir, for sharing your story and for inspiring others. Thank you again for joining me today on the program. Thank you, Jay Douglas. Thank you. My pleasure for iUniverse. This is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu, Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Dark Side of the Looking Glass. And the author is Vernon Harris, and Vernon joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Vernon. Hello, Steve. Great to have you with us. This is the absolute... Well, I don't know if it's the absolute worst nightmare, but for someone like Sam Michael, the main character, uh, who never went to war, but suddenly in this nightmare, he's being attacked by this demon that is taking him back into the Vietnam War 30 years ago. Here he is uh, living the worst nightmare for him. Absolutely. Uh, you can imagine what a nightmare it would be if you had never been in war and uh, uh, all of a sudden you find yourself there and don't know how and and uh, don't know how to deal with it. And we're also dealing with this incubus, as you call it, uh, this mythological demon who is literally changing this dream into a nightmare where people think he's just asleep from an accident, but he is in the, well, I guess he's fighting for his life, isn't he? Absolutely. Uh, yes, uh, Sam is uh, in a coma uh, in his hometown hospital. Uh, at least his body is there, but his mind, his psyche, his personality, his real person is 30 years in the past uh, trapped in the body of another soldier in the Vietnam War. Well, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, Vernon, and how this book came about. Okay. Uh, I grew up in the, in the country. I grew up in uh, Grady County, uh, Georgia. I was born in a house in Grady County, and uh, my father was a farmer. And uh, so I grew up on a farm, and the, uh, just a very simple, basic life. I uh, 
we did not have uh, electricity or running water, as we called it, or uh, indoor plumbing or anything of that nature. We were we cooked with wood. We heated the house in a fireplace with a fireplace. We had kerosene lamps, and we drew water from a well that was hand dug. Uh, so I grew up a very basic, simple life uh, in the country, and so I came to appreciate uh, nature, and the natural things of life, because we depended on it. And uh, how go did? Ahead. Well, I was going to ask you uh, how this song's reflections by the Supreme triggered all triggered all of this. Okay, uh, years later, 1994, as a matter of fact, I'm an architect. Uh, I'm working in my office. Uh, business is slow, and I'm listening to the radio, and this song, Reflections, uh, came on. And uh, it just triggered in my mind because of uh, some of the lines in it in particular uh, about the song. And also, it was a theme song for the TV series, China Beach. In China Beach, of course, involved uh, the Vietnam War days and uh, revolved around a hospital unit in Da Nang, Vietnam, uh, on a beach that they named China Beach. And so when I heard this song, it brought back the memories of, uh, of the Vietnam War and uh, many of the scenes I had seen uh, on live television during the time. Uh, of the fighting going on in Vietnam, and it just got me to thinking about uh, the Vietnam era. And then, strangely enough, just after this particular song, Reflections, played by uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes, another song came on by Creedence Clearwater Revival titled Run Through the Jungle. Now, this particular song, their version of it, the intro music sounds like fighter jets screaming overhead in my mind maybe they were flying off to a target in Vietnam it just got me thinking about Vietnam and the, those issues and of course and then when I thought about Vietnam I thought about my brother who was uh, sent to Vietnam in 62 as one of the early advisors in Vietnam and then my best high school buddy who was drafted in 65 and sent to Vietnam and so that kind of the background of how the uh, story uh, got its theme in this base. And you were never drafted, you never volunteered, so you was that kind of wearing on you, you think, deep within Exactly, you? and uh, no doubt. Uh, like I say, my best friend was drafted. Uh, we were separated at, at that time, and uh, but I wasn't. My number didn't come up. Uh, and so it it got me to think about, you know, how did I manage to skip it, you know, why me? Uh, just like you, you did not go to Vietnam yourself, but uh, you went somewhere else, even though you were thought you would and was training for it. Right, right. Uh, myself, I got to think about it, and, and maybe, uh, maybe it was the feelings of uh, guilt, you know, that I didn't go that uh uh, got to playing on me, and so that's why that I uh, wrote the book like I did from that background of Sam Michael, who was not in the war himself, but then uh, was sent there through this uh, uh, medium of uh, time and space transposition of his uh, psyche. Right, he's fifty years of age he gets in this accident and suddenly he's back in the past 30 years uh, as you put it already uh, in the uh, body of a soldier in Vietnam and now he's fighting for his life exactly yes uh, the soldier Willie Waters uh, was involved in a, in a, a bicycle bomb in Saigon and uh went into a coma, and Sam Michael uh, 
went into a coma at exactly the same time in uh, 1995. And so Sam Michael's mind went back and took over the body of uh, Willie Waters. So here we have a situation where now he's got to muster all of his forces within him to survive. Exactly. And, uh, of course, he's, he can't figure out why uh, that this has happened. Uh, prior to his uh, uh, freak accident where he wound up in the hospital and, and in the coma, he and his best friend, uh, John Strauder, uh, who had been in Vietnam with his brother, uh, were talking about uh, Vietnam and talking about his brother in particular because his brother James is uh, MIA and has been since the Vietnam years. And uh, they were discussing how to maybe go about looking into uh, more to try to find uh, uh, what really happened to James. Well, and so then, the freak accident, Sam is in the hospital, he goes into a coma, and his mind, uh, through the influence of uh, a terrible nightmare brought on by the incubus uh, literally transposes himself uh, back to Vietnam and uh, winds up in the war with his best friend, John Strauder, who was drafted in 65. And so in this case, this terrible nightmare and this uh, ruthless incubus that has trapped Sam in back to 1965. Uh, there's somewhat of a blessing in disguise. Exactly, exactly, and that, that's the end result. That uh, that what is so terrible and and uh, awful on the front end, uh, in the end, uh, turns out to be a blessing for Sam because it gives him opportunity to investigate firsthand on site. Uh, about his brother James. Now, we want to talk about some of the themes in your book. One, you say, in fact, you call it first and foremost, our government's role in times of war or peace, as seen through the eyes of Colonel James Michael, uh, of course, uh, Sam's brother. Uh, talk about that. You know, some things are better left unsaid and unknown. Exactly. Uh I created uh, uh, a covert agency uh, in my book called Special Operations Services, uh, similar to the CIA uh, in its background, but different in that it is not controlled by the government. It was set up by a group of generals after after uh, President Truman uh, relieved uh, Douglas MacArthur of his duties, his post, so to speak. And uh, so uh, this agency was set up by these generals to be able to look into things without the government influence. Now, James Michael was an agent uh, drafted by this uh, SOS, Special Operations Services, into their service and put in Vietnam in particular. And when I say that some things are better left un, unknown and unsaid, is the fact that personally I think that in today's time there's too much transparency within the, with what the government is saying they're trying to do anyway. It's not good, I don't think, that we know everything that's going on behind the scenes with the uh, secret services like the CIA and others for our welfare, for our you know the nation's welfare. It's, there's just many times no way you can fight fire without fire. There's no way that you can negotiate uh, certain situations with others who have no intent to negotiate except you know, their only actions are to uh, get you at whatever cost, and they don't mind giving their lives up for it. So 
So this is why I'm referring to uh, right about the government's role. Now you also see in this story and in life, I guess I'm just interpreting this, that we have someone watching over us. Yes, in the Christian environment, uh, uh, they refer to it as a guardian angel. And uh, in the uh, Native American world of uh, my heritage, my background, we have the Great Spirit. And uh, in other cultures, they have similar entities they say are with them. That is, uh, in Africa where I was, they had good spirits and evil spirits. And the good spirits went with them and watched over them to help ward off the evil spirits. So that's what I'm referring to. Sometimes it may it may only be that you have that you believe it to this degree and you have created it within your own mind and because you have done this it is a help to you. And that plays uh, a role in your book. Yes. And in the case of Sam Michael, he's in a bad situation in Vietnam, but he has also someone watching over him even at the same time that this uh nightmare is uh has him trapped in Vietnam, having to literally fight in battles, yet he has someone watching over him. Uh, In this case, uh, the angel, in a sense, appears as his mother, who is still alive in the the story. And uh, she is talking with him and guiding him and, and telling him, you know, son, you, you need to be here, and this is what you need to do. Uh, things will work out, uh, those kinds of things. We've been listening to Vernon Harris, the author of his book, Dark Side of the Looking Glass. Vernon, what's the best way to get your book? My book is available in uh, hardcover, softcover, and uh, e-books. It's available through, uh, typically through, I would say, any local bookstore, for online shoppers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and many other uh, sources. Well, thank you so much, Vernon, for joining us on iUniverse Radio. Well, thank you. I've, I've enjoyed it, and I appreciate it. iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is produced by Toginet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge.